God just was sharing some things with me um, in my time of meditation. And um, I saw a really good football game, and it just really hit home. And what happens, um, I played football years ago, and what happened is the teams that are good in the fourth quarter, they press in. They give more than the other team. And I was, and as I was looking at the game, and it was in the fourth quarter, and I saw this team just never gave up, and they kept pressing, kept pressing to do what was needed to win. And God said, that's where we are right now. As we are coming into this year, end of this year of promise, we're in that fourth quarter. And see, what happens a lot of times We'll put a lot of things on God and say, well, God will do it. And we feel like we don't have to do anything. And we'll just sit back and God will say, why they just didn't take that? Why they just didn't press in? Why didn't they do something? I've given them weapons of warfare that they can change the atmosphere. And that's what I want to talk about today. Heavenly warfare. We have to make warfare in the heavenlies. We have to understand and learn how to change the atmosphere. That when things are going a certain way, we're not just being passive and just taking everything in and saying, okay, God, you know, uh, well, whatever happens, happens. We can't be that way. We have to understand and know how to change the atmosphere. So if we can turn our Bibles to Revelations 12 and 7. Because we have to understand, this was the first war, war in heaven. It says, and there was a war in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And that dragon fought him and his angels and prevailed not. They didn't win. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. Him and his angels, they were cast out with him. So we see here that Satan was cast out of heaven. And if we go to Isaiah 14 and 12, verse 12 through 17, and I'm just going to read this part. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? Did that did weaken the nations? So we see here, Satan was kicked out of heaven. There was warfare in the heaven. Things changed. And if we go to um, Revelations twenty-one, verse seven through eight, so something changed. Satan had a job. In Ezekiel 28 and 12, it, it talks about that he was, they say God threw away the mold. Uh, he was the one that sealed it up to some, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. He was the anointed cherubim that covered. Because his beauty was lifted up and his wisdom was corrupt, he had to be cast out. So we see here, that there's a fight that's still going on. See, a lot of times we think that was the end of things, and we leave it like that. But the war is not over. 
So if we go to Revelations 21 and 7, it gives us an insight here. It says, he that overcometh. Now to overcome something, you must be in a fight with something. Say, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Then he goes in to name a couple of things that we have to overcome. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, and the idolaters, and all liars should have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. So we see here, we have to overcome in order not to meet the, the end like Satan. We have to overcome. There is a fight for our faith. See, all these things come against our faith, come against what the word of God is telling us. And if we're not mindful of what we're fighting against, we can fall prey to these things. You can't be fearful. And we throw that around a lot like it's nothing. Well, I was scared. The Bible says you cannot be fearful. It's, it's one scripture that I love. It, it talks about this. Oh, death, where's thy sting? Oh, grave, where's thy victory? And I, I, I added uh, this part to it is, is interpretation that it's swallowed up in this. The fact that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. We shouldn't fear anything. Don't fear the man that can kill you. Fear the man that can kill you and send your soul to hell. And that's only God can do that. So why are we fearing things when God has our back? We shouldn't fear. Unbelieving. If we walk in unbelief, we cannot enter into his rest. Point blank. You will not have rest being an unbelievable. Unbelieving. All right. So we see here there's a fight for our faith. In Revelations 20, uh, verse 13 and 14, it gives us another view of what the end will be if we don't overcome. It said, in the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. Did you overcome? Did you overcome? And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. That's Revelations 20, verse 13 through 14. See, a lot of people think hell is the end or death is the end. It's not the end. There's another step in that. Death and hell both gave up the dead. And they were thrown into the lake of fire. So we don't want to be that. So we want to make sure that we overcome. Therefore, we must understand how to create or change the atmosphere by creating warfare in the heavenlies. And 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 gives us some insight. It says, in whom the God of this world, we know that Satan was cast down from heaven to earth, and whom the God of this world blinded their minds, which believed not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who in the image of God should shine unto them. And in Ephesians 2 and 2, it says that he is the prince of the powers of the air. 
And this is the spirit that worketh into the children of disobedience. Ephesians 2 and 2. One thing, I'm a history buff. And one thing that you see in history is that when war happens, you'll find out that what they're trying to do is capture the high ground. He who rules the high ground wins the war. Um, whether it's a mountaintop or whether it's airplanes in the air or missiles or what have you, you have to take the high ground. So the Bible says that Satan is the prince of the air. Now, if you think about this, think about the airways and what happens in the airways. Everything happens in the airways. Your cell phones operate through the airways. The, the wireless, wireless mic happens in the airways. All kind of signals are sent through the airways. Radio is huge. Think about it. How much perversion goes out into the world through radio, TV, the airway? Satan covers the airways. This is a way how he binds us up, puts things in our subconscious. These things that God said we must overcome. These are the things that we have to overcome. So we need to understand then how to take the high ground how to make warfare in the heavenlies so we can take back that high ground. All right. We have to break the chains and the bonds that hold us down. So I want to talk about three different ways on how to do this. The first is we turn to Daniel, the 10th chapter and the 12th verse. Now, this is very dear to my heart right here. This is very important that we get this aspect. And this aspect is prayer and fasting. We see here that Daniel had prayed to God. And he needed an answer. But it gives us some insight. It says first that his heart was set to understand and he chastened us himself before the Lord. I mean, he fasted and prayed. He chastened himself. Did away with some things. Did away with the food. Chastened himself. But in verse 13, it tells us that, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. So we see here what happened. Daniel, Daniel prayed. God sent the answer immediately. But the prince of Persia, we're talking about airways here. Uh, we're talking about demonic influence. Said it held up the blessing. It held up the answer which Daniel had prayed for. And Michael, the archangel, the Michael is the archangel of warfare. Anytime you hear Michael, he's coming to fight. He ain't coming to talk to you like Gabriel. He's coming to fight. And so it said Michael had to come and fight with the prince of Persia to get the message through. And we'll find that in Daniel, the 10th chapter. So we see here that when we intercede for people, we're fighting to break through the airways. That's what intercession is, warfare. 
that we're fighting the breakthrough. See, we said that Satan had a job. He lost his job in heaven. And God says, I'm seeking for someone that will stand in the gap to, under, to take over this job. God is seeking for people that will stand in the gap, that will intercede, that will break through the bonds that oppress, the heaviness in the air, to break through. You know, if you get into intercessory prayer and you, and you might feel a heaviness, and at some point in time as you're praying and giving yourself over to the Spirit of God, there's a breakthrough, there's a release that you'll feel. It, it, like, it's just like busting through something. All of a sudden, there's a release. And in that time, God is letting things, uh, 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 you can receive some things. God is, the, those bonds have been broken. And so we have to be mindful of that when we're interceding. And this is something that we should all want to do as children of God. Stand in the gap for others. That we, we have to, we've been talking about how we have to grow up in love. We have to be less selfish. Think more about other people. Stand in the gap. If I see my sister hurting or, or, or going through a situation, I need to stand in the gap. I need to pray. Send up some prayers to cover. If they, if they got a decision they need to make, you know, and, and things are coming against them, pray. Intercede. Stand in the gap. That whatever is attacking them can be held back so they can make a proper decision. See, God has given us free will. And in that free will, we have to make decisions. And we have to have a clear mind. Helen Baylor, Baylor wrote a song years ago, and she talked about her grandma praying for her, that praying off the demons just long enough for her to make a decision to give her heart to God. And see, a lot of times as we're out here witnessing the people, and this is why it's good to go to two people at a time when you're witnessing the people. You got somebody praying in the spirit that's holding back those forces while somebody else is ministering the gospel. See, you, you, we got to understand what we're fighting against. So we got to understand how to fight because God has given us those weapons to fight. So I said that first when it's interceding. That's very important. Very important that we understand what interceding is and how to do it and what we're doing. We're breaking through the air. We're getting rid of that thing, that heaviness, that covering. And one thing that, um, and you will notice, like when I first, uh, when me and Zip first got married, and um, I'm going to say this, over every city there's a different spirit. And if you pulling up to a city, you'll, you'll start sensing, if you're aware, you'll start sensing some changes going on. So when Zip would go to Asheville to visit her people, and she would come back, and it'd be somewhat different. I would say, uh, I could tell. <laughs> Them spirits, it's like, oh, you've you been, had some influence in some other things, you know. Them spirits. Because it's a different spirit over Asheville than it is in Charlotte. And I'm going to say this. This is why it's so important that when we are traveling and going out of town, we let our pastors know so they can pray a covering over us. This is important that they pray a covering over because when we go to different places, there are different spirits 
that we have to engage in a spirits over that area right here in Daniel talks about the prince of Persia that spirit that was over Persia uh, and, and, and also like when I go to Greenville it's different it's my hometown and I can tell it's a difference and sometimes when I go in the city you can see a blackness as you come into the city it's like oh you know you can see the demonic influence uh, there in that city so we have to be mindful of that so we make sure that we're covered uh, when we're traveling and things of that nature. All right. The second thing that I want to talk about is praising God. See, when the, um, when the children of Israel went to war, they sent Judah out first. See, praising and worshiping God changes the atmosphere. It breaks the bonds. So we have to understand it's not just an exercise that we're going through in praise and worship. We're trying to change the atmosphere up in this place or in our home. See, when praise and worship happens and that atmosphere is open up, things are being released. Things are being deposited. And we have to be mindful of that as well, that we're receiving what God has for us. So we got to break through some things doing praise and worship. If we, if we have a funkiness about it, it affects all. The Bible says a little leaven leaven the whole lump. You know, being, um, I've been on several praise and worship teams over one. And it's, it's something else. You could tell, like, when you're, when you're starting to bring the people into the presence of God, if there's some funk in the place, it's a fight to kind of break through that before you can really go and get into worship. So we have to be mindful of, of, of that. As I said, as we're entering this fourth quarter, that we watch how we come into the house of God. Because some things need to be released in this fourth quarter. So check ourselves at the door. Whatever, if you had a fight at home with your husband or wife, with your kids or whatever, get it straight and come in the house free so God can do some things. We're in this fourth quarter. Don't think about yourself. Think about your, your fellow brother and sister. I want to make sure I'm right so they can get what they need. If we think about it like that, guess what? Some things don't become so important anymore. We don't have to fight this battle of right and wrong. It ain't about right and wrong now. It's I need to do this for somebody else so they can get what they need in this time. Amen? So we got to know and make warfare in the heavenlies. All right. Now, this next thing, I think we miss out on this so much because we don't see it as spiritual. Um, and God gives us hints of it all the time. When I start studying this and start looking at how much I see this on football game, John 316. John 316. It's a key to this thing. And I said, oh, God, I, I see this now. So in John 3.16, we can quote that by heart. It says, God so loved the world that he gave. Stop right there. He loved, therefore he gave. So we see that love is an action verb. Love is going to make you respond with something. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So you mean to tell me God loved us so much 
he didn't even have limits on what he was willing to give. See, when I got the only, if it's my only thing left, I might want to hold on to it a little bit longer. It's the only thing. It has a value because there's nothing else like it. So we have to understand, the Bible says that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's, that's huge. He didn't even set limits on what he was going to do. He gave, gave him up. So as we see that, that God has no limits, then let's turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. And like I say, I think we miss it on this one. We, we, we may intercede and we understand standing in the gap and we'll press in. We'll intercede. We'll praise God. We know that the praising and worship, it breaks those bonds and chains that hold us down. That spirit of heaviness, it breaks through the air on that so we can have a freedom, a liberty in God. But this third one, this, this is huge. When I saw this, I got excited. I was like, Lord, mm. I said, thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. Mm. Having made known the mysteries of his will, that we are workmen created unto good works, a habitation of God through the spirit. God wants this thing to keep going. Now, what I just quoted was 2 Corinthians 9, 15 and Ephesians 1 and 9. But God wants this thing to keep going. So he gave, he gave his only begotten son. He didn't set limits on it. So if we go to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 through 8, it says this. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. That means if you're stingy, you're going to get back stinginess. If you give a little, you'll get back a little. If you give a lot, you give all you got, God's going to give all you, he got. All right? That's what it's saying here. It's what measure you meeting here. And so every man according as he purposed in his heart, let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Why would God love a cheerful giver? Because he gave. We see it all the time. John 3.16, that he gave his only begotten son. He gave. He didn't set limits. So he said, oh, this person ain't going to set limits? Oh, Lord, what can I do with them? I can trust them. All right? And then verse um, 8 says this, and God is able to make all grace. Oh, right there. That's what hit me. All grace. What is he saying here? He's saying that if you're a giver, you're going to affect the airways in such an, a tremendous way because I'm going to supply to you all grace. Now, all grace means what? All. all grace. The ability to do what you need to do, to make happen what you need to happen. All grace. See, intercessory prayer is, 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 is you're doing a, a particular thing. Praise and worship, you're doing a particular thing. 
But when he says all grace, whatever you stand in need of, I'm going to supply everything if you're a giver. And see, we miss it there. We miss it. We don't give for whatever reason. But God is saying, look, this is a big key. This is the only scripture I've seen in the Bible where he's saying all grace. I'm going to make sure everything happens for you if you're a giver. Amen. So we can affect this atmosphere tremendously. And Psalms 112 and 9. He says that he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor for righteousness endured forever. He has dispersed himself and all of us to make sure that this thing keeps happening. That it's a repeat about giving. And Bible tells us that the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. That that love is shared abroad. So if love is in our heart, guess what that corresponding action of loving is? Giving. We have to be givers to really affect this atmosphere like it needs to be affected. It has no limits when we give. God sees our heart. He knows that he can trust us because we are determined to give, regardless of the situation. And in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 and 11, this is another thing right here. When you become a giver, when you set your heart to give, the Bible says that he supplies seed to the sower and bread. He supplies. Who is he? God supplies. God don't have a limit on, on what he can give. But he's saying, okay, if you do this thing, if you become a giver, fighting this battle here, this warfare, creating, changing the atmosphere. How many know that when you're in a situation and you got the money for something, your whole attitude changes? Your whole attitude changes. When you got extra money, oh, man, look at here. You can be in the grocery store. and You see somebody, all of a sudden you hear God clearly. I'll buy them groceries for you. You know? <laughs> you hear God clearly because it frees up something. It frees up. You see somebody in need, you go right to them. Hey, God told me to do this. All of a sudden you hear God clearly. Why? Because you, you, ain't, you ain't standing in need. You, God, God has to release some things. The atmosphere is clear. And you hear God clear. So we have to understand that God wants to supply the needs for us. He wants to su supply the seeds, but we have to be a giver. See, the blessings of the Lord have to keep coming. They continually flow. That's what he wants to happen. When we talk about overflow, that means I got mine, but it's so much keep coming. It just keep overflowing and affecting other people. It keeps overflowing. And what can happen is it, it, it changed the atmosphere when, when the people were with Moses and even with David. They kept giving to build a temple. They kept bringing to Moses. He had to stop the people from giving because they, they just kept giving. And everything that they wanted could happen. And everything for us can happen if we don't let self get in the way. That's why it's so important that we mature in love, that we become less selfish. Because as God gives the overflow, we got to keep letting it flow. Now, one of the main things that can get in the way 
is greed. Okay? Now I got 50 cars, 20 houses, and I still want more. Greed. Greed. And we see an example of this in Luke 16 and, and 9. Is it 16 and 9? About the um, one in the barns. Uh, the guy wanted to build. Now, I think Luke 12 and 13 through 15. And I'm just going to talk about the story. But the, the rich young ruler, he had stuff. He was getting more. And rather than let it flow out to other people, he decided, why don't I just build bigger bonds so I can just keep more, hoard more upon myself. And see, that's not God. God can't trust that. That's greed. So we have to understand we can't let our wants replace our needs. We can't let our wants replace our needs. We have things that we stand in need of. But if our wants, because we'll never be satisfied with what we want, because we'll see something, we'll want that. We'll see something else, we'll want that. So if our wants start replacing our needs, we'll get greedy. We'll get caught up in the things. And God wants us to know that what you have, what you have does not determine who you are in a sense. You know, there, there, there was a teaching or there was a movement going around in the church at one point in time that, uh, and it probably still around, that if you had things, you were spiritual. If I had my Rolls Royce, if I had a big bank account, all of a sudden I was spiritual, you know? And that's not God. Now God does want us to have, but just cause you have things don't make you spiritual. The Bible says that it don't, life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. That's not what it's about. And we'll find that in Luke 12, 13 and 15. So we can't let that get twisted. As God continues to bless us and supplies us with things, we can't get greedy. We can't get high-minded and arrogant because that will stop the flow. And also in 2 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14, it's very important because I think with a word like this, we have to set some per parameters in terms of what God is, is saying. God wants to free things up. He wants us to m m fight these battles. He wants us to clear the airways, change the atmosphere, fight these fights in the heavenly place so things can change. But we have to understand that our obedience, our confessions that we make must be followed up with obedience. We have to be obedient. We just can't get around being obedient. So we can confess, you know, a lot of times people say, well, if you name it, claim it. Yeah, but got to be some obedience with that as well, you know. And I, I do believe the Bible says that we are the ones that call those things, be not as though they were. But we got to have some obedience with that thing for God to, to bless it. And... Also, God gives us some guidelines to keep us safe. We got to understand that God has our back. That as we mature in love, we put others before us.
God has our back. In uh, Luke 6, 30 and 31, it talks about a situation from here that if somebody steals something from you, he said, don't ask for it back. I got your back is what he's saying. Don't ask for it back. Let them have it. And so we run into that situation a lot when it comes to money. So somebody borrows some money from you. They don't pay you back. So they don't pay you back. All of a sudden, you're offended because they didn't pay your money back. But guess what? Then they're avoiding you. <laughs> you know, they're avoiding you. You're offended. All of a sudden, things don't flow because we have created, created strife in the body. So we have to be mindful of things like that. In 2 Corinthians 6 and 10, it tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. So we have to not love money to the fact that what I saw in reading this scripture is that if we love money, we'll do anything to get money. And so we can't love money. Money is a tool. Use it for what it is. But don't love money because you'll do anything to get money. We have to let our hearts be established with grace, with that ability to do. And that's Hebrews 13 and 9. We have to let our hearts be established in grace. That means we got to hear God clearly. Therefore, we got to affect the airways, the atmosphere. We have to fight in the heavenlies. And we do that. I said three things is how we do that. Through intercession, through praise and worship, and by giving. And giving is huge because there are no limits on giving. All of grace, all grace abounds in giving. That means that whatever you stand in need of, whatever ability that you need to happen in your life, it can happen through giving. And we can't afford this time where God has taken us to start getting tight without giving, without giving our time, we're giving our money, we're giving our time in prayer. You know that these are attributes of a mature Christian that we must operate in. Um, I'm on intercessory prayer. I'm on the intercessory prayer team. And I'll, I, I do pray on there sometimes. I try not to pray every day. Uh, I pray at home. But I want to give people a chance to to receive their blessings. See, because when you jump in there and start praying for other people, God can trust you. He's saying, this is this somebody that understands about standing in the gap. You know? And, and it should be like popcorn going off. You know, like that as 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 these things, as as these silent periods happen, people should be jumping in because they understand the blessing. If a need pops up in church, Man, we should we should be just jumping at the aspect of let me give to help that out. Let me do what I need to do. Because it's a blessing that comes with that. But if we don't understand that your corresponding action has a blessing flowing with it, then we won't do it and we start suffering and being staying in lack. 
because we don't understand that we have to create warfare in the heavens. That we got to stand in the gap for people. That we have got to praise and worship to change the atmosphere so God can release some things in the body. And that we have to be givers because that's all grace is given in that area. The things that we stand in need of, abilities that we need, things we need to do, God will release. In Hebrews 13 and 5, it says this, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we got to trust God. A lot of times we go through life and we have experiences and those experiences scar us and we start letting the experience rule over God's word. But God is telling you, look, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're not going to ever be by yourself and you don't have to doubt my word and what I'll do. I will do what I said I'll do. And if we put others before ourselves and we start making this warfare in the heavenlies, affecting the atmosphere, changing what God wants to, uh, preparing ourselves and changing what needs to happen and bringing those things into existence. Like I said, when I started out, um, we're in the fourth quarter and fourth quarter teams, that they win championships when they press in and they do more than the other teams do to win the game. So for your brother and for your sisters here, let's press in. Let's change the atmosphere to make sure everybody receives what they need to receive from God. That every joint supplies, that there's no lack in the body and there's no schisms, schisms in the body. You know, at one time I, I was having muscle spasms and my back was in a wreck and my back would just act up. I could be walking along or doing something and all of a sudden my back would spasm and it would affect my whole body in terms of what I wanted to do. Let's not be that spasm. Let's make sure that the body functions properly by doing what we need to do. Amen? Amen. That's all for today. Amen.